the things that make a good LinkedIn post are also things that make good marketing, right? You have to have a great hook, right? You have to have something interesting to say, a point of view. You have to tell a story, right? You have to be somewhat selfless. You're like giving something instead of just wanting something in return. And so I just sort of used all the principles that I knew from how I did marketing and I just applied them to LinkedIn. Welcome to Top of Mind. A show where we speak with top marketers, creators, and leaders who are shaping the culture around us. I'm Stuart Hillhouse, and I believe that through great marketing, you can earn the privilege of occupying a tiny sliver of your customer's already overflowing brain. Join me today as we learn what it takes to become top of mind. Marketing is one of the most chaotic yet predictable disciplines. As countless psychologists, behavioral economists, and designers have pointed out, genetically, we're no different than we were a thousand years ago. And yet, everything that surrounds us has been invented in the last few generations. Something that my guests and I have in common is that our use of writing to help try to work through this tension, the tension between everything feeling so brand new and yet nothing being new at the same time. My guest today is a marketing manager, a writer, and has built quite a name for herself on LinkedIn in a very short amount of time. Joining me live, I've got Katie Mitchell. Thank you. That intro was heavily influenced by a post that you had a couple of weeks ago where you talked about how you love digital marketing because it's got that crazy tension where we're trying to reinvent everything as new technologies come out. But then you look at the flip side and you're like, well, we still buy using the exact same triggers and per persuasion that's been used for hundreds of years. What Was there something going on yeah. at the time that made you influenced to write that post? I just think about it a lot. I think for me, I love psychology. So when I was in high school, I think if I could rewind the clock and do my entire career over again, I would have just gotten a PhD in psychology because I love thinking about it. I took AP psychology when I was in 11th grade. I got a five on the AP exam without even trying, right? It just, it comes easily to me and I really enjoy it. And so, you know, that's a big fundamental piece of marketing. And if you look about, look at consumer behavior and, you know, the Mad Men era, right? All of that was just based on true emotional persuasion. And so the other side of it is user experience and it's technology and it's how, Everything is just evolving so quickly and changing. And I think I'm also very, very passionate about that. I think, you know, when I'm when I'm not having a completely conflicted relationship with my cell phone and wanting to throw it in the trash and thinking that I'm, you know, gonna be a zombie to my technology, I, I think it's 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 pretty fascinating if you think, you know, sort of in in, time, in, in line with the social dilemma, sort of everything that technology has done. And sort of, and then if you think about how that interacts with the consumer behavior component, I mean, th that's it. That's what, that's marketing today. And so, you know, I think a lot of people think about them separately, but when you think about them together, you know, that's, that's just what makes me jazzed about working in this industry. And, you know, it's, it's when you can take not only one thing that you love and make it your job every day, but, but two things, you know, that's why I'm just happy to, to do my job. And I think that, the more we can take a step back and just sort of think about those really fundamental inputs, the more effective we can be at our jobs. I, I feel the same way in a lot of 
with a lot of these digital tools is they're awesome. And I see the, the reason for having them and they, they've provided me with a whole bunch of cool opportunities. But then at the same time, I'll find myself on them for so long. And I'm like, oh, this is really what I want to be spending my time doing. <laughs> so it's conflicting, but it's one, it's, it's that tension that all of us are kind of going through. Yeah. But then also kind of understanding too, like, there's a way to be a consumer versus a creator on a lot of these platforms mm -hmm. as well. And so as I kind of spoke about in the intro, you and I both at about the same time decided to flip that switch and go and start being creators on LinkedIn specifically. And so I'd like to spend a lot of time of this conversation to describe how you made that decision and then how it's played out and how you see that being part of your now professional persona or career or however you think about it. So yeah. do you want to tell me a little bit about what was going on in your world when you decided to start being actively writing on LinkedIn? Yeah, I sort of fell into it by mistake a bit. I think, you know, I, I left my last company in about May um, and I wasn't really sure what I was going to do next. I, I wanted to be open to possibilities. I wanted to feel like I had a, I had a rough, a rough you know, few years prior, just in terms of working at a larger organization and trying to find exactly where I wanted to be. And so I had gone previously, I was in B2C, then I was in B2B, well, I was in B2B, B2C, B2B again. I love consumer marketing. I love, you know, talking to people and you can do that in, in the right company, but just, you know, where I had been the last, the last few years, I just wanted to, to take an opportunity and take a step back and just reassess what I wanted for the future. And so I started writing because I wanted to expand my network. And I knew that writing on LinkedIn could help me do that. I knew I had spoken to a few CMOs, a few, a few marketing leaders who had recommended doing it. And so I just started looking around at the couple of people that caught my eye and started to think about, you know, why, why was I finding value in what they were writing? And how could I share my own expertise with my network to potentially expand, expand my network? And pretty soon after I started, you know, I wrote a couple of posts, you know, I pulled, I basically, what I did was I just like thought very deeply about my expertise and what I, what techniques did I use in my day-to-day -to, -day to make me a better marketer? And I just sort of shared them because I, I actually used to teach digital marketing at General Assembly in Chicago. And I sort of approached LinkedIn, sort of like I was teaching, teaching a class and sort of shared, you know, some, some thoughts I had and, and something I thought maybe someone in my network would find valuable. And very quickly, my posts started gaining a lot of traction in terms of viral reach. So, you know, I, would, I had 1,000 followers, but my posts would get 10,000 views and, and 100 comments, right, which I just didn't expect. And so I started doing it more and more because... As a marketer, I wanted to then, then I sort of switched over into like doing this to explore into like doing it to grow. Cause I was like, okay, this isn't as hard as I thought it was. So I'm going to just continue to do it and to continue to get better. And I realized over time that it sort of LinkedIn sort of mirrors regular marketing. I posted about this today, but the things that make a good LinkedIn post 
are also things that make good marketing, right? You have to have a great hook, right? You have to have an interesting, you have to have something interesting to say, a point of view. You have to tell a story, right? You have to be somewhat selfless. You're like giving something instead of just wanting something um, in return. And so I just sort of used all the principles that I knew from, you know, how I did marketing and I just applied them to LinkedIn. And so I was able to quickly start seeing, you know, what, what posted better than others, right? Just like you do in marketing <laughs> and, you know, what techniques worked and what doesn't and what times of day work and what don't. And I just, I honestly just took the same perspective on LinkedIn as I take in my job. And so I love my job. I love being a marketer. And so it was fun for me. So I just kept going. That's how it began. <laughs> yeah. Without glossing over those, those early days when you were in exploration mode, was that tricky for you? I mean, I I know for me, I've had posts where it gets no traction, no one sees it, it's out of my control, I don't know why LinkedIn doesn't want to show it around, or people don't like it, period. And then other days, something that I don't think was that great, all of a sudden does really well. And I know that can be very taxing on like, your if you attach your personality to that post, or you attach your kind of image to your online image. How did you think about that early on? when things might not have been, you might not have been getting as much traction as you are now. Yeah, I got traction pretty quickly. I'm going to say that because it's true. I don't want to like, you know, say not everyone gets traction quickly, but if you just, if you really think deeply about what you're posting and you use the same principles and I can share those principles if you'd like, you should get traction every time. And so if you're not, there's usually, and again, this is LinkedIn today, right? I don't know what LinkedIn two years ago or three years ago and how the algorithm has changed, but like the algorithm is going to look at your post and it's going to read it in the first hour based on how people are engaging with it. And if people spend time on it and like, you know, comment on it, there's an article that LinkedIn put out about the algorithm and you can read that and you can see sort of what goes into the algorithm and why people, what, what prioritizes the algorithm. So like a lot of people have been complaining that, oh, the algorithm deprioritizes my posts or the algorithm doesn't show my posts to anybody. I don't really buy it because if the algorithm isn't showing your post, it means that people aren't reading your posts and aren't engaging with it because LinkedIn wants to show engaging posts to people. And so if you start to figure out, well, what inputs and how does LinkedIn think about or how does it work, right? You can, you can feed content that LinkedIn wants. And the like, more you don't try to game the algorithm, the better your posts will do if you're just using the fundamentals of marketing, which is get people to pay attention and get them to stick around and get them to engage. And if you can do all three of those things, your posts should perform every time. Now, my posts don't perform like gangbusters every time. The post that you referenced in the intro got, you know, 40,000 views and I only have, you know, 11,000 followers. So I'm not like a Dave Gerhart where I'm going to get 300,000 views every time because I just don't have that base follower uh, network. But I can get, uh, my posts get about my average poor performing post get about 10,000 to 15,000 views every time. Even my post this morning, which you know, didn't do very well, got 100 or so comments or 100 so likes and you know, didn't do that well this morning, but it still did sort of like a baseline. And then you sort of have to take hits. Every time is a hit, a hit, a hit, a hit. And like sometimes those hits will be home runs and sometimes those hits will be first. But you should never like, you should never bunt it. 
You know what I mean? If you know the basics is, I guess, what I'm saying. You mentioned that you started with a couple thousand connections on LinkedIn and now you're up, upwards of 11,000. How were you able to add people to your network so quickly? Yeah, two things. I did two things and that's it. I focused on creating really, really great content that teaches someone, some, someone something or makes someone say, oh yeah, I feel that, right? And so you don't have to teach them something new. You can just like tell them something they already know, but like hearing, but, but putting it into words in a way they could never put it into words, right? And so I tried to do one or the, two of those things, teach them something completely new that they'll be like, oh yeah, I can, I can use that tomorrow. Or, oh yeah, I, I've always felt that way, right? And I have to hit the like button because I feel that way too. And so like Alex Lieberman, I don't know if you follow him on Morning View Brew, but the other day he posted like, things will always take longer than you thought they would, right? And like, I like that post because like, it's true. Mm-hmm. Even though it's not like mind blowing or earth shattering, it's just, you feel that way. So I try to do those two things with my content. And then sometimes I spend a lot of time. If I have like a lesson or an example or a tactic that I want to teach someone, I will sometimes spend like an hour or two, three or four. <laughs> I try to make that rare, but like making it great, just like you would a blog post. Right. And so, cause I know that if I can make it great and I have a sense, I have like a gut sense based on some other content that I've written before that it's going to do well, I will spend time to do it. Right. There's always a risk that that four hours will pay off in a single instead of a home run. But like it's, if I feel like it's worth trying, I will try. And then, so I put the content out, that's step one. And step two is I just connect with everyone who likes it mm-hmm. and everyone who like visits my profile and that's it. And that's how I got to 11,000 followers. It's very simple. No <laughs> magic. <laughs> yeah. I know. Uh, I'm very impressed with that number and not saying that like the, those metrics matter as much as like they matter as much as you want them to matter. Right. Like we're not going right. to, we're yeah. not going to kind of sit here and pretend like we are better than everyone else on LinkedIn because you have content or you have followers. It's, no, no, no. It just comes and as part again, of the package. Yeah. And again, like you don't need, I, I've said this and I will say it again, but it's like, doesn't seem to sink in for a lot of people. You don't need to have a lot of followers. My first few posts when I had 1000 followers did as well as my posts are doing now with 10,000 followers. So like viral reach and the way that LinkedIn is structured now, it, get, it prioritizes good content whether that content comes from someone that has a very small following or a very large following. Mm-hmm. So content is king, right? And so I think a lot of the, a lot of the like, larger influencers have said, oh, my reach is down, my reach is down, my reach is down. I think, and again, this is just my hypothesis, it's just because the, the algorithm is just prioritizing content regardless of followers versus like, oh, if you have 60,000 followers, you're automatically going to get this level of reach. I don't know. I could be wrong. I have no idea how it works. But like that's that's sort of what I'm seeing by seeing sort of like little guys, if it makes sense, yeah. having posting content that does really well. So you don't have to feel like you have to just post day in and day out for five years to get traction. You can post tomorrow. And if the content is great, you'll get a lot of traction, which is why it should be exciting because anybody can win, even the little guys. That could be almost something, and this is me hypothesizing on your hypothesis, so we could be totally <laughs> off, but it could even be them kind of like taking a page from TikTok who right now, like their algorithm, why people were so excited about it is because it lets you have virality with no follower. It's purely yeah. based on the, like purely based on that post 
by itself. Yeah. And so maybe we've, we're kind of over that hump of like followers matter. And now it's back to like quality content. I don't know, but it's, yeah. it's, I, I agree. I I've, <laughs> I've had the same experience with you, Katie, and I don't have, I'm not at that 10,000. I just broke 2000, but I do the same thing. Like I add everyone who likes my posts and, but I do get, it's like proportional, right? So like when I had 600 like connections, I would get 2000 views on my thing. And it was like, there's no way you could get that's 400% nearly yeah. of what your follower count, right? So and it's, that's because it's, it's viral reach, right? It, it just yeah. delivers your content to your connections, 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 right? And, and yeah. that can be pretty powerful. Yeah. So. What? So you mentioned building a network when you wanted to get when you got started and you want your open opportunities and trying new stuff. What? What kind of results were you looking for in the early days to be indicators that you were on the right track? It's interesting. I think once I started and once I really started realizing that I could have an impact on a larger subset of people, my goals shifted. So like initially I was just doing it to like connect with people and and network and potentially find, you know, some additional opportunities to do consulting. Maybe I want to start my own business. I wasn't really sure. But I started just really enjoying the teaching component, right? When someone would comment on my post and say, oh, that I never thought about it that way. Or, oh, I'm going to use this tomorrow. Or actually once someone said, I literally put this on a post-it note next to my computer. I'm going to like remember it for tomorrow. And so I started getting really jazzed about that and excited about it. And my desire to post was more because I wanted to give back. And it was because I wanted to share and help, you know, mentor other marketers as much as it was that I wanted to network with senior level executives, right? And so I still, and I said this on another podcast I was on, like I have two goals and you can have two goals, right? I had two goals. One was to do what I just described and another was to continue to make opportunities for myself. And that, you know, continues to be sort of how I approach it today. Yeah. To kind of mirror what you're just saying, like I have two goals right now too, is to make meet interesting people and have conversations like this and then the other one is to just be consistently putting out content like a year's worth of of writing every single (laughs) weekday right yeah i guess that's that's true and i i i guess i after listening to you i sort of have a third goal which is i realized when dave gerhardt said this when i was you know listening to something that he had said and it really struck a chord which is like writing on linkedin consistently makes you a better marketer because you're practicing, right? Every single day you're practicing. And it's very rare that you're going to have the opportunity to ship marketing that quickly. And so, you know, I have a like a love-hate relationship with posting every day because I also am a big proponent of brand. And I know that if you, I've posted about this in the past, but if you post BS that no one cares about, like they're just going to glaze over your name and they're not even going to read your stuff because they're going to know that it has no value. And so... But I also know that that writing every day is really healthy as a marketer and you get better from mm-hmm. doing it. And so it's a very, for me, it's a very fine line between posting and not posting because I want to post something that's really interesting and creative and thoughtful and helpful. Um, and I also want to post every day, but it's hard to do that every day. Yeah. And so it's like a mental challenge for me. And so sometimes, some days I'll sit it out just because I'm like, I have nothing to say and I don't want to like, Bog, bog down my network and like put BS into the universe. But I try really hard to post every day because it's again, it's a creative exercise and it makes me a better marketer. And so I think that's a third goal, just like you said, which is just to, to keep practicing and to keep getting better and take more swings. Yeah. Why do, why do you think 
practicing is really important to you right now? I mean, I just always like to get better. I always like to learn. I never feel like I know enough. So <laughs> I think for me, I'm always reading. I'm always listening to different podcasts. I'm always just trying to improve my craft. And so that's sort of the approach I take is, you know, the, the more you do it, the better you get. Just to do it in public rather than kind of on your own. Well, that's the only way you get feedback. And that's the only way if you know it's good, right? Is like if people respond to it and if they react as a marketer, at least like you could be an English major and you could write in your journal every day, but like I'm a marketer. And so what matters for me is that people are responding and paying attention. Like that's, those are my KPIs. So the only way to do that is to have a public forum for your work and to let people respond because you don't, you won't know if you're any good unless, and again, it's in the eye of the beholder, but you know, it's like a proxy for real life. I sort of view it as like, you know, you can, you can publish a blog on your company's blog and you can promote it via your company's social, or you can write a post yourself and you can see if people respond, right? It's, it's very similar in that way. Mm -hmm. And you can, and you develop your voice. Like you were saying before mm -hmm. is, is you want to be authentic and you want to have your own brand, but you're guaranteed you're not going to know what your brand is the first time you sit down and write something. It's, it's, no, it's accumulation yeah. of, hundreds of impressions that people have of yeah. you. It's not going to make or break yeah. by one, but you always want that quality to be always improving rather than getting worse. Oh, a hundred percent. And like, I, I was always nervous about it. And I still like, I still think sometimes when I post and I'm, I'm curious if you do too, but like when I post, I'm like, Oh, is this too casual? Cause I have like a vibe I'm going for, right? I want to be professional. I sort of want to be funny. Like I'm trying to like reflect who I am and I mm. hope people can see that through my writing, but like, I'm sarcastic a lot of the time. I'm, I'm trying to reflect myself, but I'm not going to go out there and, you know, post like I would with my girlfriends <laughs> and, no. and say those things. So I'm still in a professional environment. So it's like, it's developing my voice as a marketing professional while also being really true to my authentic self. And like, that's really important to me. And you're so right. What you just said, which is posting consistently day after day you start developing your own brand. And that also what I realized too, it's taught me a lot about developing company brands mm -hmm. because you start to realize what, what is be, what does having a brand mean and what is, why is it important and what are the inputs? And so going through this creative exercise as an individual and building your personal brand is no different than your company brand, right? The reason that most company brands have a hard time being seen is because they're afraid to take a stand. They're afraid to have an opinion. They don't want to like, you know, if, if you're not going to go out there and like put something out into the world, because in that conference room, five people were like, eh, I don't know if we can do that. We don't want to say that. We don't want to say that. And then, and then the ultimate message that comes out is like pretty vanilla, right? Part of the reason that I've had success growing my following and part of the reason people react to my posts is because I'm pretty freaking direct. And I say what I mean. And if you don't agree with it, I'm happy to hear you out and let's have a conversation about it. But like that also teaches you a lot about, you know, you know, just building a corporate brand. And so I think, I think by building my own personal brand, I've just learned a lot about the importance of, of, of brand and the importance of, and how to do it, do it well and do it right for companies. And you got to experience it right from the beginning. I think that's kind of the issue with that a lot of marketers might face in their early career, or at least I've, there's been my experience is like, you're, you're, you're inherited, you've inherited a brand that someone else has been working mm -hmm. on for years. And now it's your turn to be a writer, yeah. like a copywriter, or do the social or create campaigns or write emails or all the voice 
the active voice things that the company's putting out, but it's it's yeah. been built years ago and it's not necessarily aligned with how you like to write or how yeah. you consume media and the media landscape has changed too. So it's not like like meme accounts, corporate meme accounts didn't exist five years ago yeah. in the same way that they do today. Yeah. So if you've got this old voice that you need to now like reshape, it's tricky. Whereas yeah. now you have this uh, very unique experience that very few people get unless you actually do it of like from scratch day one, how do you start with a voice and then how does that voice develop? And then how do you turn that into a brand? And so what I like about uh, LinkedIn and just writing on in general in public is it becomes like a lighthouse. You don't need to worry about attracting the right people because if you stay true to who you're, who you are and have a voice, people will find you. Yeah. And the right people will find you. Exactly. No, I 100% agree. And I think the challenge that you talked about, like a lot of marketers can identify with that because especially, especially junior marketers, right? If you're a marketing specialist or a marketing manager, like ultimately it's not, it's not your call a lot of times, whether or not you shift the company voice, like you're, you're having to execute on something that someone else decided and, and you should get skilled in managing up and sort of as I you know, progress in my career, that's something that I'm doing more and more. But often as a junior manager, you just you just don't have the ability or the sway to do that. And so having a personal brand is just a great outlet for you, right? And then in even a way to say, hey, manager, this voice seems to be resonating and, and maybe it's not our exact audience, but maybe I can test it out, right? Or, or have some sort of ammo to show that it works, I think. Mm-hmm. Have you thought about how employers are now going to have to adapt to this idea of people having audiences like as they take a role? And now it's like you have to write in our voice, but that person also has a side project where they have a personal brand. Have you put any thought towards um, yeah. how employers are going to deal with that in the future? I mean, I think people have been building personal brands for a long time. I mean, I'm sort of late to the party. I think people have been doing this for years and years and years. So I don't think it's I think more people, I guess like more, I would call myself like an average Joe kind of person, like are starting to get into it now because building a personal brand is becoming more mainstream and stream and more people are sharing content and just going for it in a way that maybe they were a bit more nervous to in the past, or you felt like you had to have some fancy title or something to, to go do it. But I think it's shifting how employers hire, actually. I think it's something that employers are, lo- are looking for because they want to amplify, especially LinkedIn, right? Because like Twitter, okay, maybe, <laughs> but like, it's also hard to like target your audience there. And is your audience there? You don't really know because the targeting sucks. And so I think, I mean, for certain industries like sports, right? Or tech, whatever, some, like some of them are there, but LinkedIn is just, it's such a rich platform because it's so like, so targeted and you know exactly who's on it and there's so many and so many analytics to to sift through and so it's you become and that's again like there's the two main reasons i chose linkedin i'm curious if you i don't don't have twitter yet i need to like get on twitter but like i chose it because i like to write like long (laughs) and so you can't really write super long on twitter you'd have to like write a medium article a blog article and then share it on twitter and i just don't have time for that and so and then also just because it seems like a no brainer. It's like a, it's a 
professional network, right? And so it's only going to do positive things for you versus like maybe you go on Twitter and you build that network and maybe people find you. It's just, it's a little bit more ambiguous to me. It's funny because I was listening and this is just a quick funny story because I think it's relevant. I was sitting at my kitchen table in 2017 and I was like listening to a Gary Vee video you know, just one of those nights where you need Gary Vee. <laughs> and I was listening to his article. It was like, LinkedIn is the most underrated. It was like 2016 or 2017. It must've been 2016. because My son was born in 2017. It was, and he was like, LinkedIn is the most underrated platform. It's incredible reach, blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, I do not get it, Gary. How does LinkedIn have reach? It's not even a platform. It's like a, it's like a business card. Like, I don't understand. I like didn't get it. I didn't get it. And so it took me four years to get it, right? And so it also took me like a variety of different scenarios because I actually wrote, wrote like a like a kind of viral post a year and a half ago without realizing it and still didn't get it. <laughs> like I didn't get it. It, was, it took me like four different times to be like, oh, this is how I need to use LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. And so finally I figured out that it's like a content platform, mm-hmm. not a business card platform. And so I don't know where I was going with that, but like, it's just, to me, it's like a no brainer because you, you're doing something positive for your career, right? You're, you're, you're building up yourself and your, your sort of online resume in a way that's sort of, you know, priceless in a way. And so like, for me, it was just like, I love teaching about marketing, digital marketing, like LinkedIn just makes sense, right? Cause I know I'm reaching marketers it just all sort of fit together. I'm not, I'm, I'm curious if you sort of feel the same way, but that's why I think it's important for employers. I think employers, because they are on LinkedIn and because they're looking for candidates, right? It just becomes more important that you have that element to your personality and your, your online presence. And, and I think it's becoming more important because they realize, especially for smaller organizations, for founders, having someone that has 20,000 followers and, you know, especially if they're in your market, right. Mm -hmm. It's, it's meaningful. Yeah. I, I agree with some parts and what I've been kind of thinking about is same thing as like, I, been listening to kind of like entrepreneurship things and media things for, for years in some cases, but still wouldn't do it like never yeah. never committed the time <laughs> or never fully dove into it in a way i think it's kind of i think i think of it like a like a card game you know when you're just learning a new card game everyone else is like schooling you and you're like i just i'm just trying to like remember what card to put down next <laughs> or what i'm trying to go for and so that's what it kind of feels like if you're just always consuming you're like yeah i get it but like i don't get it get it and then when you actually <laughs> yeah. play the game, like someone can teach you the instructions all you want, but until you actually play the game yeah. and then you put the cards down, you're like, oh, and then you start doing the math in your head and you figure out the rules. And that is when you, it like unlocks the platform completely for you and you start figuring out what it's actually meant for. And so that's what I felt like yeah. has been unlocked is since starting to write and, and, and do the show is it's like you actually see the whole playing field. It's not just like what's presented to you by the algorithm and you go from being like a pawn to actually like the person playing the game. And so I do have to agree with you, like in a lot of those, in a lot of those cases though, that an employer would see benefit in it. And I see a lot of different brands have different value too. And so like LinkedIn as a platform would be different value than having like a Twitter following than having an Instagram following. Mm -hmm. And I don't know what those, if there's a weight, like I don't, I couldn't even tell you where they, yeah. where they are on a scale, but 
maybe it's industry based or maybe it's kind of interest based or position based, but I mean, be <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's so much to it. And it depends on you and your brand and whatever else. But, but I think the, the value of people on the platform for LinkedIn, especially is, is would be the highest like value network to have because people are real here. It's like, it's not like fake profiles and it's not yeah. kids. I think there's some of those. I think there's some of those, but who knows? Okay. Know. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I'm not <laughs> at, the, at the spot yet where the bots are even worth following me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, it's important to note though, because I'm a marketer, I'm a growth marketer. And so wanting to grow things is very, comes very naturally to me, but I didn't really have the skill set. You know, I, I would love LinkedIn wouldn't be my first choice. If I, if I could just go and grow something, I would just, we just redid our house. Like I love interior design. I love beautiful photos of houses. Like if I had the skills, which I don't, I would have built an Instagram following. Right. And I would have just like gone all in and maybe quit my job as a marketer and just spent my day doing what my, like my passion is. Right. Which is like marketing is my passion, but I also have this other passion. And so but I am not a good photographer. I can't keep my house clean because I have two kids running around all the time making messes. And so, and I'm actually like, I enjoy writing and I'm better at writing than I am at taking pictures. So I think that just thinking about your strengths and where you can play, like for me, LinkedIn made sense because it matched where I, you know, where I can add value. And so maybe for you, if you're listening to this podcast, that's not LinkedIn, maybe that's Instagram or maybe that's Twitter or maybe that's YouTube, right? Mm -hmm. I think it's important that everyone just sort of like thinks about their skill set and what they have to offer and try to sort of go where they they match. Yeah, or even a skill set you want to work on too. Like you and I were yeah. before we hit record was you're you're thinking about starting a podcast, but you said you you have no experience <laughs> interviewing people, but neither did yeah. I until I started this, right? Yeah, no, that's that's true. I think for me, I and I said this to someone else recently, but like I like to go big or go home. And I don't <laughs> feel like if like for me, learning photography and getting really great at Instagram, I just don't have the time or desire in my life to learn it to the extent that I need to right now. So I wanted to go to a platform where I was like further along right mm -hmm. now. If you have, if you can devote time and you really want to, or maybe you don't have the desire to like grow, I wanted to like really grow. And so I knew that doing that from scratch on Instagram just wasn't going to get me to grow as fast as my own personal goals, but maybe your goals are lower or maybe you do really want to learn it. Right. So you just have to think about all these things. Yeah. Or even different goals, like not yeah. focusing on growth for so, year one, but focusing on quality. quality. And then you're yeah. like, it's a long game. Yeah, you and I are talking about years. Sure. Like we're, we're, yes. our, we're baby stepping <laughs> right now, but yeah. it's a conversation worth having because there's a lot of people out there who are having the influencer conversations that are way too big for me to even wrap my head around. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. One, a couple more questions here for you, Katie, and then I'll let you go. What do you think the best creators on LinkedIn do or understand that most people can't, don't understand? No one gives a shit about your stuff. Like only people just care about themselves. And so if you can go into everything that you post or everything that you share, thinking about like, is this going to add value to someone else's life? You will be, be you will be better off, right? Like no one, no one cares about your shit. Hmm. I think that's a <laughs> that, it's it's a hard awakening, but it's a true one, right? Yes. yes. Yeah. <laughs> You've described LinkedIn as your marketing sandbox, and we touched on this a lot about how it's a place for you to try stuff out and then prove it to yourself and prove it to your to your employer or whatever else. Yeah. What are some things that you've been testing in and and maybe dabbling the and have some results you'd be willing to share? 
Hmm. I think it's interesting. I think there's a lot of people on LinkedIn that are just like, oh, I got to do a video, right? Because video is the big thing and video is important. I see a lot of other people doing video and it's going to make a difference, right? If I just like post a video. I have never posted a video on LinkedIn. A, because like I'm not super comfortable on video right now. And I think to create really great video content, I just would have to work too hard and I don't have enough time. Like, and so for me, I try to just do something different. Like I try to, you know, I like to, I like to get really nitty gritty on like different tactics and different skills. And so I like to do sort of like, I break down my own LinkedIn posts a lot of times. I'm like, yesterday I posted this, 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 and this. And I did it because I did this, this, and this, right? And so I give people an example of like, here's a technique you can use, right? For example, like here's how, um, I'm trying to think of one that I did. Oh, like feedback, right? Like I, I posted, I did a post about webinars, but like that post, I ended up sending it to like five different people before I posted it because I wanted to, it just like didn't feel hundred percent ready to me. I felt like there was some gaps and I sent it around to like four different people and they all gave me like stellar feedback. Someone was like, I don't understand what this means or I don't do like, this didn't catch my attention or no, no, no. So I got all our feedback. I like edited my post, right? And like that in and of itself was a lesson, right? And so I walked through, my next post was like, hey, I posted yesterday about this. And before I posted it, I got feedback. And this is what I did to change. I did this, I did this, I did this, I did this. And both of those posted really well. It was just like very meta, right? I'm just like (laughs) posting about posting about posting, which is just like showing the process of marketing. And so like I'm a serial editor. I love to edit. I love to get customer feedback. I love to, I love to show my work before I ship it. I like to, you know, I like to shop my stuff around, I think. And so just like what I tried to do is just like bring people into my world and show people how I do marketing. And like, that's sometimes more effective than just like getting on camera and like talking about whatever for 30 minutes. Right. And so again, it comes down to just like showing value, demonstrating value, showing people you care. You want to give them like really actionable tools that they can use in their job to be better at their jobs. And so I think don't overthink it. Right. It's just like produce stuff that people care about and like do it in a unique way. (laughs) Sort of my perspective. Yeah. And behind the scenes stuff always does really well. It's, it's a weird, (laughs) it's a weird human thing that we love to see how the pie gets made like we love the behind the scenes it's like it's like old i know on dvds (laughs) i remember as a kid always wanting to watch the the behind the scenes or like how it got made or the documentary or the the director talking about it almost more than the movie so it doesn't go away (laughs) no no we have this human desire right to learn and so I guess like that, that's sort of what I'll end on, right? Is I just love teaching. I think I love doing marketing. I love teaching. I love teaching about marketing. And so if you can sort of figure out what you love to teach about, I think that's the, the biggest piece of advice I can give because ultimately like as a personal brand, you're just a teacher. And so, you know, the quicker you can realize sort of what you have to share and what you can teach, probably the, the better off you'll be. Yeah. I think we'll uh, end it there, Katie. That's an awesome (laughs) way to wrap this conversation up. And if you want to see how Katie's doing it, go check her out on LinkedIn. That's the best place to to see all this stuff being made. Thanks so much, Katie. This has been great. Thank you. This is so fun. I enjoyed it. If you enjoyed anything that you just heard, you're going to absolutely love what I'm about to tell you. 
If you go online to stuarthillhouse.com and hit the subscribe button, you'll be added to an email list where I share exclusive content related to this show. This is where I'm going to share my key takeaways from each episode, including my highlights, top of mind takeaways, and next steps that you can do to put this advice to action. I also share some real life breakdowns of marketing campaigns that I'm seeing around and how I'm using it in my work. So head on over to stuarthillhouse.com and hit the subscribe button to get your first email. Looking forward to seeing you there.